Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program created by a 20-year martial arts veteran and violent crime survivor, Susie Collin, based in Berlin, Germany. You can learn more about Susie and the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense program at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com. In all of these episodes, we've been just talking generally about attacks. And so, of course, they could be um, uh, violent attacks, someone who's just like looking to hurt you, someone who is trying to rob you or steal your purse. And then these other kind of attacks that are more sexual in nature. And I wonder what you think, just like, what's the difference between these and the effect of these different kinds of violations and in a self-defense mode, would you respond to them differently? I mean, do you think there's a different, I guess that's the main thing is like, I what's think the that difference? they're very related. And, and uh, so I'm going to re I'm what I'm going to take off of the table of this discussion is violent physical attacks um, by women. Hmm simply because, you know, women do attack other women and women occasionally attack men as well. Um, and the reasons for those can vary quite a bit. Often when women attack other women, it's, it's if there's no romantic relationship involved, it can simply be territorial um, or hierarchical. Whereas, and when women attack men... Um, I think usually for the same reason men attack men in that it's a power, a show of power, et cetera. But I think, so removing that basically from the, even though I just talked about it, um, the difference between them is a sexual attack, um, a physical attack is meant to hurt. It's meant to hurt. You know, so I I know if I punch you in the nose, that's going to hurt you. That's the point. You know, I'm maybe I'm hoping I'm going to break your nose. Maybe I'm hoping um, it's going to knock you down. But what I'm doing is I want to hurt you, you know, and I want to show you how physically powerful I am while I'm doing it. So... That can also be clever, you know, if you're like the kind of jerk who trips people when they walk by, you know, down the airplane aisle or something is, you know, that's also a type of violence, you know, where you think you might be clever than everyone else because you stuck your leg out into the aisle. But nonetheless, it's, it's um, usually it's, it's to, it's to cause pain. It's to cause pain and it's to dominate you know, through physical power. Whereas a sexual attack, um, I think questions of pain and even questions of dominance are secondary to uh, questions of power. And not in the sense of physical power, but in the sense of a more, uh, how can we say, it's a, it, just a more general power, a kind of more esoteric power, you know, like I rule the world. Exerting masculinity. Exerting masculinity, exerting um, 
a type of of uh entitlement exerting a a type of territorialness if that's a word but in the sense of i own this territory and you are here by my grace so it's a, so i i feel it's a little bit different and of course a sexual attack whether it's grabbing um kissing fingering penetration with genitals any of those things um are meant very much to humiliate what i find overlapping with both of these things is in in my belief um is that they're both on the same spectrum of actually being male to male ultimately in the sense of especially when it comes to sexual aggression um if you're attacked sexually by a stranger that person may not know that you have any kind of men in your life but i think that the really deep psychology lying uh, underlying you know violent physical or any kind of sexual attack against a woman is really ultimately aimed at the men that are probably in her life aimed at other men in the congo in the democratic republic of congo um you know the cases of rape and rape as a weapon of war have been very well documented they're unbelievably brutal um they're inhumane i was reading about them um in regards to something i was writing I was reading a, a report from someone in the field and they were talking about how rape is used as a weapon of war um not only to demoralize the victims of rape but also to kind of poison a bloodline so if a woman in democratic republic of congo is raped then that's completely destroyed her entire bloodline or destroyed the bloodline or and or destroyed the bloodline of her husband so that rape is an insult not so much to the woman but to her brothers her father her uncles her husband his brothers and fathers and uncle the woman is simply a vehicle if that woman is impregnated as so many women have been now she has a child that is the product of rape so that means that that bloodline will never appear again it's a form of eugenics well not a form of eugenics it's a form of genocide of um what's the word that i'm looking for of ethnic cleansing. So, it's a uh, it, it's so when we take this in terms of war and and this happened as well in um in 1945 when the Russians came to Berlin, the Germans were the German soldiers, the Nazi soldiers in Russia were guilty of horrible atrocities and very violent rapes. um the russians as they entered berlin were told you know this is part of the spoils of war to rape but raping women in berlin wasn't across germany actually wasn't only to demoralize the people left in germany 
it was also to ensure that these bloodlines were no longer pure. Which, you know, considering the fact that it was the Nazis, that was a good way to upset them, even though they were dead. But nonetheless, so it's, it's, so rape as a weapon of war, we tend to think of it, if we, when we think about rape in war, we tend to think of this as a way to demoralize a local community, the conquered society. Um, but it's actually a way to insult blood, the bloodlines of men and future generations of men. And the women, once again, are purely incidental. And that's on a bigger scale. But when we take that to an individual scale, is what I was have been thinking about and why I was researching some of this last week, was, um, you know, when an individual violates a woman, is he violating the woman ultimately as a way to signify to other men that this is something he can do? Is it a way to insult other men? I don't know the answer to that question, but I wonder how these two things are related, the macrocosm to the microcosm. Mm -hmm. Um, when it's physical violence, you know, in the cases of domestic violence, of course, it's somebody who has, um, <clears throat> you know, they express their anger on their partner. They, they, you know, for whatever the reason is, whatever they've gotten angry about, you know, or they're habitually angry about. And I think that that's very well documented, but that's also about dominance and it's about power and it's definitely about causing physical pain. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way, there's no way anyone can punch someone and think it's not going to hurt. And we talked in an earlier episode about this guy, his name is Jerry Hyde, who has a video about, you know, five tools to help control your violence for domestic violence violence perpetrators in um, confinement in this quarantine time. Um, and he says in this video that the people that he's talked to through his practice have often said, you know, they, they might hit their wife or their girlfriend with an open hand. And they're asked, you know, well, why didn't you, why didn't you close your hand? Why didn't you make a fist? Oh, I would never hit a woman, they say. So they don't recognize that hitting someone with an open hand is the same thing as hitting with a closed hand. Hitting with a closed hand is to punch, is to um, to cause pain, is to dominate by power. Hmm. Whereas hitting with an open hand is more like a reprimand, apparently. And sexual violence, whether it's at a you know very violent, overt level or it's at a more subtle level like that um that penetrating gaze or a grab or a touch or or a comment or whatever it is is more you know again it's about demoralizing but i also think that there is another relationship behind that which is also about signifying to other men i don't know their own power their own dominance the sort of crushing other men in a way, you know, here in Germany and in other developed nations, we don't look so closely at, you know, the purity of bloodlines. So when somebody violently rapes someone, is that to, to poison a bloodline? That doesn't really seem like it would be the case, but maybe there is a connection there. I don't know. 
I haven't studied it long enough and I'm not one of the experts in those fields, but, but I find it really fascinating that from a bigger perspective in war, that even rape is not about women. Mm-hmm. I also think that, you know, do you remember that shooter who had, uh, it, he was in California at a college and he had asked, <laughs> exactly. Um, he was, he had posted all these videos and he was just like so full of rage that he had been rejected by all these women. Mm-hmm. And so his response was this mass shooting. But if you listen to his narrative, like it had a lot to do with his hatred towards women and this feeling of being rejected. And, you know, obviously that was like a physically violent act, but even in that there's still some relationship to social hierarchy and dominance and power and entitlement. Yes. Yeah. Well, a lot of these, you know, white male shooter uh, assaults are about this, where it's this feeling of being, um, you know, deserved of something and then put cast aside and trying to exert some revenge, Mm -hmm. exact some revenge, um, on women and men, but you know, there, even that there can be like a sexual component. I mean, the reason I'm asking is I'm thinking about whether the defense tactics would be the same. Hmm. But I want to, I want to stop on one point that you said though, which I think is maybe the key is it's about revenge. Whereas physical assault, you know, getting punched in the face is about punishment, is about pain, but it's not necessarily about revenge. Whereas I think sexual assault tends to be more about revenge mm-hmm. and vengeance. Um, would the the um, physical defense be the same? Yes, absolutely. Would the de-escalation techniques be the same? No, those would be different. Mm-hmm. In what way? Just as far as response? Yeah, just as far as response. I mean, if somebody's threatening to punch me and they're clearly like they they want to punch me because they think I'm, I don't know, I'm too mouthy or whatever, you know, oh, you should shut up. Women shouldn't talk like that or whatever. I'm going to punch you and shut you up. That person thinks that they're punishing me and reprimanding me, you know, and putting me in my place. Right. And they know that they're going to cause me pain. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Right. So to de-escalate that situation, I'm going to approach that as, okay, you're the person who feels that you are, you are kind of policing my behavior. You're trying to show me that, you know, I've stepped out of line and because I don't want to get punched and I want to de-escalate the situation and I want to get out of here in one piece and as quickly as possible, I'm going to agree and I'm going to subordinate myself to you until I can walk away. I'm going to agree with everything you say, no matter how crazy it is. This is actually something someone shared with me um, that they learned from a nurse who worked with a lot of mentally ill patients. Um, Agree with everything they say, regardless of how crazy it is. Repeat it back to them, not like a parrot, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. because then you don't want to annoy people, but um, repeat it back to them to show you understand and get out. Mm. Whereas if it's about vengeance, if it's a sexual assault and I'm or a threatened sexual assault, you know, I'm going to rape you, bitch. You know, that's about vengeance. That's about revenge. 
And if I want to de-escalate that situation, I'm going to use very different language, you know, and a very different approach of, you know, you want to take revenge on me, but is it really me you want vengeance on? You know, is it, is it like, what do you feel you need to take revenge about? Mm-hmm. You know, let's turn this conversation around as much as we can. You know, if you're still at a point where you can have a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also about, um, especially for sexual assault, it's also about showing your humanity, mm-hmm. you know, showing that, you know, there's a human here. It's, I'm not dehumanized. I'm a human. And I hear you and I feel pain and you taking vengeance on me or taking revenge out on me is, is really going to hurt me. But you can only know that if you see me as human. So I need to show you that I'm human. I need you to feel that. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's those, those two things. And we want to be on the same level. You know, you don't, I'm not the one who wronged you. I'm not the one to take your vengeance out on. Right. So, yeah, they would be. For de-escalation, yes, different tactics. For physical defense, no, those are fairly universal. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program created by a 20-year martial arts veteran and violent crime survivor, Susie Collin, based in Berlin, Germany. You can learn more about Susie and the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense program at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com.